0: Hey there. Before we get started with the show, we just want to let you know today's Crypto Daily Briefing is in partnership with the Crypto Phenom Letter. This is a one-of-a-kind premium investment newsletter service that highlights the next winners coming in cryptocurrency tokens and equities. Get special access today at phenomcrypto.com realvision. That's phenomcrypto.com realvision.
1: Adam Nash, founder of Daffy, a platform for donating crypto and other assets. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Uh, Ash, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you. You've joined us at a very active time in the news cycle. Obviously, lots to talk about with everything happening right now between SEC, Coinbase, and Binance. But first, let's take a look at price action Bitcoin right now trading on my screen, 26,382 on a trailing seven-day basis. That's off about 2%. Trailing 24 hours, uh, we're up about 1% right now on Bitcoin. You can see that uh, sort of bizarre characteristic U-shaped pattern there on the screen. Uh, Obviously, a lot happening in terms of news flow driving that price action. Ethereum trading right now $1,840. It's more flat than Bitcoin, but still you see that strange pattern there with the U. Uh, So this bouncing around, kind of going back to the level we were at before the news flow started. Trailing seven-day basis off about 1% trailing 24-hour basis. Call it about flat. It's off about one-third of 1% on a trailing 24-hour basis. Ethereum is right now. Adam, lots to talk about. Tremendous amount of news flow. Obviously, we've been following this very closely here at Real Vision. What's your take big picture on everything that's happening right now between SEC, Binance, and Coinbase?
0: Well, I, I think um, probably no surprise to anyone. Um, you know, I think that people expected the SEC to act in some way, shape, or form. There have been rumblings about this for months, etc., And in the wake of the uh, FTX blow up and and, and scandal, I I don't think it's surprising at all to see various regulators and agencies taking a harder look at things. But um, I have to say I'm disappointed. Um, I happen to think that digital assets and the platforms for them, starting with Bitcoin and going to a number of other technologies, are really valuable. I think the industry has struggled to get clarification, um, both legislatively and from regulators, about what to do. Um, in order to be compliant with all the regulations that they should be compliant with. Um, But on the positive side, maybe this action is a forcing function to get that clarity uh, into the markets. Um, We've seen clarity in some other countries. Um, I'm hoping it comes to the United States as well. Yeah,
1: let's talk a little bit about uh, what the substance of those charges are. Obviously, uh, neither of us are lawyers. Uh, I spent a little bit of time reading some of the documents on the SEC website, but I don't claim to have read uh, all of those filings. Uh, you know, from beginning to end, they are quite lengthy, over 100 pages. Uh, But as I see it, it's essentially three claims that SEC is making here. First, uh, that both Coinbase uh, and Binance dealt in unregistered securities. I think that's probably fairly well understood, whether they're the underlying uh, protocols that they list by name. And there's a whole list of those in the document. We can touch on that a little bit later in the show. Uh, And specifically uh, with regard to Coinbase, their staking program. Uh, The second sort of key claim uh, in this document, as I see it, uh, is this idea of commingling of functions. Uh, This is kind of an interesting point. People uh, who may not have spent time in traditional finance may not be familiar with this, but I think it's important for people to understand essentially what SEC is alleging uh, is that uh, Coinbase has engaged in separate functions uh, that essentially are divided in traditional markets, acting as an exchange. I think people understand that one. Uh, as a broker and broker-dealer, broker-dealer are actually two separate functions in a traditional banking, uh, one where you're acting on behalf of the client and one where you're acting uh, on behalf of yourself. Uh, and as a clearing house or clearing agency function, this is uh, an entity that would uh, aid in the settlement and payment of trades, the finalization of a trade uh, as a custody agent uh, and serving some other functions to preserve this, this market uh, separation so that you don't have a single uh, entity providing all of those. That's the second point that uh, that SEC has alleged with regard to Coinbase. And with regard uh, to uh, Binance, SEC has engaged, uh, has has made the claim that Binance effectively has commingled funds. Uh, This is uh, between Binance and some of the other entities that are owned by Binance, essentially operating, uh, operating separate funds Uh, I believe Chair Gensler on CNBC compared this to SEC running a hedge fund on the side. Excuse me, to uh, the uh, the NYSE running a hedge fund on the side. That's the metaphor from SEC. In other words, uh, that it would be like the New York Stock Exchange was operating a hedge fund on their own behalf. That's kind of the core framework for how these uh, sort of allegations on spool, at least as I see it. Uh, Do you see it differently, Adam?
0: Well, I I think that... You know, um, th- that sounds like a good summary to me. And, and I'll, I'll be the first to argue, uh, you know, on one front, I'm not as familiar with the Binance situation as I might be with the Coinbase situation. As you mentioned before, I'm obviously not a lawyer, um, although I do teach a class on personal finance at Stanford where we do cover crypto in most years. Um, and I am conflicted in, in that Coinbase Ventures is actually an investor in my current organization, et cetera. So I want to be careful. Um, But I I do think you're correct, um, at least in the basic framing. But a lot of this comes down to the heart, in in, in my view, uh, of this question that's been around for almost a decade uh, of of what makes something a security? When is it a commodity? Um, Can they change status? What leads them to change status? Um, And what's the process that regulators want these companies to go through in order to set up these separate functions, et cetera? Um, You have to have a process where there's a known way to apply, you know, and and register um, as those different entities to know which processes apply to the functions that you just described. Um, And then make sure that on an ongoing basis, you have confidence that you're in compliance. And so, um, you know, I happen to take the point of view that, you know, from the people I know at Coinbase and watching them grow up as a company over a decade. um, I think the first time I met Brian Armstrong was actually back in 2012 after he'd raised his his seed round. that they have made every reasonable and in some cases, even unreasonable efforts to try and be in compliance with the laws of the United States um, where there was clarity and, and where they felt like they knew it is the rest, you know, you, like everyone else you're you're basing it on legal opinion. And, and I think that's, you know, I can speak for Coinbase. They've tried to hire the best legal and regulatory advisors that they possibly could afford um, in the United States. And so, um, like I said, I, I do think that those claims are there. I, um, I don't know, I'm probably not the only one who said, you know, finally, the SEC has published a list of, of the coins that they, they think are securities. Um, it, it makes me wonder why that list wasn't published before. What was so difficult about the SEC in a timely manner um, actually forming opinions about these different coins and chains um, and what they claim are securities uh, in the market. It would have added a lot of clarity over the last five to six years if the SEC had had some process for just regularly stating what their opinion was
1: yeah interestingly two coins conspicuously absent from that list bitcoin and ethereum uh, although some of the charges are from sec the civil charges from sec include the notion of staking pools being operated by coinbase but ethereum and bitcoin not included on that list what do you make of that
0: um you know, I, I think you know, I, I wouldn't pretend to be able to read the minds, et cetera. Like I said, it, it's hard not to see some political motivation behind this. But, you know, the SEC has difficult decisions to make when you try to govern by by regulation I- I instead of legislation, et cetera. Um, it, it turns out that you have to be careful about which fights you pick and choose um, because it, it is it is a problem, right? You're going to have to go through a, le- a lengthy legal action. Um, Coinbase is well-capitalized, et cetera, has access to great legal talent. This is not an easy process for the SEC. So I have to assume that if they didn't include Bitcoin and Ethereum in these claims, um, that was very much on purpose um, and likely has to do with what challenges they want to take out of what time. I think everyone right now is, is, is acknowledging the fact that you can't take that as any form of regulatory certainty. Them not including Bitcoin and Ethereum doesn't say as much of them explicitly coming out and just saying, this is what we think Bitcoin is. This is our opinion of how uh, Bitcoin needs to be treated. This is what we think Ethereum is. This is how we think it needs to be treated and how it fits into our existing regulations. Um, I mean, if you look across the U.S. agencies, there's this varying level of clarity or lack of clarity based on how they approach um, different actions. But, you know, for example, you know, uh, we spend some time uh, in my current organization, separate with regulations around taxes, etc. The IRS has been far more clear about how they want to see crypto treated from a tax perspective. than I think the SEC has been clear about how they want to see different coins and chains treated. Um, and unfortunately, I think we still don't have clarity on
1: Bitcoin and Ethereum based on these, these actions. Hey, since you mentioned differing treatment, different rules uh, of the road from different federal agencies and Brian Armstrong. I wanted to read a tweet uh, coming from Brian Armstrong, obviously the CEO of Coinbase, uh, because I think it gives a little bit of a sense of how at least Coinbase is thinking about these charges. Quote, Regarding the SEC complaint against us today, we're proud to represent the industry in court to finally get some clarity around crypto rules. Remember, and he lists four points, and I think these are interesting in terms of insights into how they got those guys see what's happening right now. The SEC reviewed our business and allowed us to become a public company in 2021. He's talking about the S1 filing here, essentially saying that the business model was laid out when uh, SEC approved that listing in 2021. Number two, There is no path to, quote, come in and register, close quote. We tried repeatedly, so we don't list securities. We reject the vast majority of the assets We review, essentially saying there uh, that they review very carefully to make sure that they don't trade securities in the view of uh, Mr. Armstrong and Coinbase. Number three, the SEC and CFTC have made conflicting statements and don't even agree on what a security is and what a commodity is. This is an important point uh, to your point, Adam, about this notion of conflicting views from different federal regulatory agencies. And number four, this is why the US Congress is introducing new legislation to fix the situation and the rest of the world is moving to put clear rules in place to support this technology number four, in a certain sense, probably the most important of those four points, because it is forward-looking rather than backward-looking. Uh, Mr. Armstrong saying here, in essence, that this is a problem that Congress needs to solve. Uh, the 90-year-old securities laws that are in place now, uh, principally the 1933 Securities Act, 1934 Securities Exchange Act, uh, that you see repeatedly referenced in the SEC documents, uh, in the view of Mr. Armstrong, not adequate for the clarity that we need for the digital age, and believes that ultimately this is something that needs to go to Congress for a fix. Obviously, a lot of information there. Thoughts on that tweet and those points?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, um, once again, not being an expert, not having reviewed every single document information, um, what Brian is saying looks very consistent with what he has said and what Coinbase has said in the past, which is basically um, they have looked for clarity on a large number of issues and been unable to get it. Um, They have set up a process which they believed complied with all the existing regulations and also was attempting to be not just prudent, but I think according to the, not just the letter, but also the spirit of the law, right? In terms of reviewing coins to try and decide, having clear set rules about what they think is a security or not a security um, and making efforts to not list coins that, that were deemed securities. Um, And so I I think they lay out their position. I mean, just as the SEC has laid out their position, this is what happens with direct legal engagement, right? Each side lays out their position. It'll argue out in court. I'm sure that a lot of evidence will come out. Um, A lot of arguments will come out. And um, not only will people make their own decisions, but obviously the courts will rule on on the matter in a number of different ways. And so, um, I mean, I'm very sympathetic. Obviously, like I said, I have bias. I'm very sympathetic to Brian's position and the Coinbase position. I think there's a lot of different companies and entities in the crypto space. Crypto has some flavors that are in common with financial services and some pieces of it that are more in common with open source technology and and global platforms, et cetera. And so that's why it sometimes can look differently to people looking at it from those perspectives. Um, But I think there are very few people that would look at Coinbase, the people involved, everyone from the investors to the operators and the actual actions to not look at this and say that there was a, a good faith effort here to set up a high quality institution that complied with as many of the regulations as they felt that they possibly could. Um, and so hopefully this can get resolved. Um, I, you know, I personally, you know, I'm very pro-business, I'm, I'm pro-technology. Um, I, I, the reason I look for this clarity is because I think that when you have good people who want to build new technology, new businesses, new products and services, that clarity lets them build quickly, it lets them run fast and it lets them innovate. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I thought Brian did a good job of staking out their position. I didn't think it was inconsistent with anything they've said before. And like I said, I can't evaluate all the options. I will say, based on my own reading over the years, this issue of what's a commodity and what's a security, looking for clean letter, you know, something that, that breaks out how that would apply to crypto and when, when each status applies, turns out to be very, very important in the United States, where you have different regulatory schemes and different laws um, set up. Um, for how you allow people to buy and trade commodities versus how you let them buy and trade securities. The tax laws are different. Um, As you pointed out, the different layers of that financial stack in terms of responsibility um, are different. And um, I don't think it's wrong for them to ask for that clarity. I don't, you know, whether it's legislation or regulation, remember the IRS is a regulator, but they have no problem putting out an amazing amount of documentation about how to handle different situations et cetera, from a tax perspective with a lot of clarity. And so I don't think it's unreasonable for Coinbase to ask for that clarity um, in the services they're trying
1: to build. Yeah, it is interesting. Obviously, IRS has different mission tax compliance, while SEC uh, has, a, I think, Probably it's fair to say a more complicated mission. I'm just reading from there, uh, from their description here, right? So, uh, you know, protect investors, maintain fair, orderly, and efficient markets, and facilitate capital formation. Uh, these are things that can potentially be in conflict with each other in terms of the governing principles. Uh, and uh, and obviously coming to it with a different mission than IRS. Uh, but you know, you make some really important points there. There's a lot of information. Uh, I think it's uh, very interesting to hear you frame this. Sort of distinction between thinking about cryptocurrency on the one hand as open source software and the other hand. Uh, as a potential financial instrument, that is something that is truly new under the sun uh, in 2023, uh, you know, and has been for the last, i will call it five years or so, uh, this framework of trying to understand how these can function simultaneously as open source soft software and uh, also as financial instruments or potential financial instruments, uh, digital financial instruments, however we want to phrase it. I know that there's some, uh, you know, kind of legal stickiness around figuring out what that term is, uh, but, you know, you obviously are someone who has a lot of insight into this. I should point out for our viewers Uh, that uh, you have an MBA from Harvard Business School uh, and and an advanced degree in computer science from Stanford where you currently lecture about this, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, But this is an incredibly complicated time. One more point that we didn't get a chance to touch on, uh, the latest coming out on the Binance story, which is uh, SEC seeking an emergency order to freeze assets over at Binance. Uh, Obviously, this is something that uh, I I guess one could see as a potential escalation uh, in the situation there between SEC and Binance.
0: Yeah, I'm. uh, once again, I'm not... As, as deep. I, I don't know the people involved with Binance. I'm not as much an expert in those issues um, as maybe other areas. But um, I wasn't surprised to see that, however. I mean, first of all, remember, this is in the wake of the FTX scandal and blow up. And so with all the questions about money movement there, et cetera, it's very clear um, that the folks at the SEC had a list of concerns and issues of what could be going on. And, and they have a, 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 a duty um, to protect and to focus on U.S. investors and U.S. citizens and assets that might be tied to that, and and actually that extends to recourse, right? How do you make people whole if there were issues um, that need to do it? So um, it is an aggressive action, right? That's not a that's not an action you take lightly um, uh, by any means. But I, I can't say it was surprising um, given what happened with FTX and some of the fallout there. Um, but I, I thought you mentioned something very perceptive that I just want to put a, a note on, and actually it reflects some some notes I wrote, you know, um, I, I spent two tours um, at Greylock Partners um, as a, an executive in residence. Um, and both times I ended up touching crypto in 2012 um, after I left LinkedIn and and, and worked at Greylock it was the first time I read the Bitcoin white paper. It's when I met Brian Armstrong. I started meeting different companies in the space. Um, and then in 2017, actually, when, when Greylock ended up investing in Coinbase, I did some additional work. At that point, there were a lot of the ICOs were just starting and become buzzy, the initial coin offerings. Um, and a lot of these questions came up. But you know, you can learn a lot about organizations, about how they're founded and what their mission is, what they believe their purpose is. And, and that's true for companies. I think that's true for platforms, I think it's true for regulatory agencies as well, as well as branches of the government, right? There's an ethos to it. There's a there's an origin story, there's a there's a reason for existing that even goes beyond the rights and regulations. And the SEC and Coinbase have missions and organizations that have founded on, on very, I think, lofty missions, but they are in conflict here, right? You know, the, the mission of the SEC was set up in the 1930s in the wake of the market crash, et cetera, protecting investors, protecting investor interests, setting up a system where the profit motive alone isn't enough to set up a financial marketplace, that there's actually rules, that there's transparency, et cetera, um, and Coinbase has a, has a mission, um, really, because they believe in this technology, they believe in this platform, and they want to see it distributed and utilized as widely as possible, not just in the U.S., but around the world. Um, and so I think those missions matter and are important. And so I think that one of the reasons you're seeing this conflict come up um, is in the end, both agencies, both groups, both organizations feel like this is an existential matter for them, that this is something that they have to engage in, that they, they were created. To make these arguments um and so maybe in some ways it was inevitable i do think that congress could have added clarity here the way that some other countries have and and this all might have been executed in a much more positive dimension i mean like i said i'm pro-business pro-technology i would have much rather seen regulators come out with a very detailed paper of, okay here's our point of view on crypto and here's what we think needs to happen Um, And here's what we think people need to organize as. This is how to think about exchanges. This is how to think about custody, all those different issues, investor rights and protections, and give all the companies a certain number of days to comply with that. Um, Could have been the way that this went down. Um, But, um, I mean, I I spent a lot, as a founder for my organizations, I spent a lot of time thinking about these missions, et cetera, because I do believe they're long-lived. I had the benefit of working for some great companies that had great missions and organizations, you know, uh, missions that have stood the test of time. You know, my first job was at Apple. Um, obviously I'm very close to companies like, um, I spent in the early years, eBay, LinkedIn, um, obviously was a CEO of Wealthfront. Um, but I will tell you, even in my current company, um, at, at Daffy, we spend a lot of time thinking about our mission, about what we were formed to do, um, and making sure we're aligned to it. So, um, Maybe this was inevitable in crypto, that this kind of, this debate had to happen. Maybe maybe this legal contest was inevitable as well. Um, but I do think that both sides are trying um, to live up to their ideals. And, and hopefully now at least we'll get some legal clarity about what's going on. I just wish it could have been done outside the courts. I wish it could have just been done in kind of a more pragmatic um, legislative way.
1: Yeah. You know, important points there. Adam and and I think it's good to zoom the camera out a little bit here we've talked a bit about the functional mechanics of what's happening right now obviously because it's in the news cycle uh, and there's a lot of news flow about this right now Uh, but to that broader point in terms of zooming the camera out uh, and taking in the more big picture here uh, as you think about this where do you see these events of the last week putting us uh, in one, three, five years. What's the forward trajectory of the digital assets space with regard to what we've seen here? And what are the potential, I guess, uh, the cone of uncertainty for how this shakes out as we move forward?
0: Yeah, well, I, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm bullish conceptually about the concept of digital assets. I always have been. I mean, going back to school, um, even when I was in college in the, in the 1990s, this idea that people were gonna spend more and more of their time online in virtual environments and that they would be creating value. I mean, any place that humans invest time and effort is an investment of value. Um, and so it made sense that as we invested more and more value into virtual environments, there would be virtual measure, measures of that value, right? There would be currency, there would be assets, um, there would be scarcity. Um, but there were some technical challenges with that, right? We, you know, It turns out in software, um, fundamentally, one of the things that made software so great economically was it's so easy to copy, right? once you once you once you write Microsoft Windows, you can copy it endlessly, and there's really no limit um practically to the number of people who can use it, et cetera. And that created economic challenges for the businesses, ironically, um, but also um, gave it economic power, right that 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 almost zero marginal cost. Um, and so I'm very bullish about digital assets in general. So to me, crypto was the latest iteration of, you know, the Bitcoin white paper, et cetera, may not have solved all these fundamental problems itself. It it did take a unique take on a couple of issues, but it brought it all together in a system that met the highest bar, um, I think, that exists in software, is that it actually worked, right? It was put out there. People ran it. Um, people invested value and time on it. Developers, um, people with assets, people with compute resources, et cetera, I mean, um, and so I, you know, to me, the reason I've been so bullish on crypto at least fundamentally is because it looked like the latest iteration of this attempt to place value on digital assets and have a means for exchanging them. And so um, you know, economically, what that means to me is we've seen the birth of a new asset class. I think digital assets will be one, three, five, 10, 20, 30 years. I, I think the percent of value that we measure as digital assets versus real-world assets. This is like a giant pie chart and that pie slide for digital assets is small, but it's, it's growing much faster than the overall asset pool. And so I'm very bullish on that. I think that affects the way that people construct portfolios. I think that affects the way people have to think about investing for the future. Um, now, whether any specific coin or blockchain itself is the end game technology or what we'll, whether we'll see future iterations, um, there's obviously lack of clarity from a regulatory standpoint. Um, but in general, Um, I'm bullish on this trend. And what that means is because I'm an optimist about technology, et cetera, I like to think that cooler heads will prevail and we'll find intellectually a way for people to productively invest in digital assets and digital asset platforms and technologies and keep pushing this technology forward to solve the problems that it has, right? You know, we see that blockchains have struggle to process a high volume of transactions economically in a short period of time. And yet... You see all sorts of new technologies and companies spun up to solve that problem. That's what you get when you get an active ecosystem. That's when you get brilliant people trying to solve the problems out there. Um, and these are problems worth solving from my uh, perspective on digital assets. So um, you might say that overall, I'm bullish on the category or, or on the space. Now, specifically over that short of time period, one, three, five years, I think politics is gonna dominate for the next few years. I mean, I, I don't see any other way. We have this legal process, we have an election, we have politicians staking out ground about whether they are pro or anti crypto, which is kind of amazing given how nascent the technology is um, as a platform. Um, you know, I don't, I don't remember other technologies entering political debates so much, except in the last five or six years. Maybe that's where we've come to as an industry. We've gotten big enough that that they are political issues that people in general are concerned about. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, obviously, the having is coming. For, uh, for Bitcoin, you know, predictably. Um, that's going to run into an unforeseen, well, I shouldn't say unforeseen, but um, an unprecedented amount of legal and regulatory risk. So I think I think it'd be foolish to assume that the next halving, the next cycle will be the same as previous cycles. Um, at the same time, I could argue that all this regulatory uncertainty has to be weighing down on the market. And that if some clarity entered the market, that probably would be net bullish for the category. Um, so we'll see. Um, I think there's a huge amount of variability. I think, listen, I I am an active angel investor. Um, I've worked at at some of the best venture capital firms in the world. I've invested in over 130 startups um, myself at this point. Um, Asymmetric risk, the risk of something going to zero sounds imprudent. Um, It sounds like something that a retail investor wouldn't normally do. Um, But it's part of a diversified portfolio, taking a small amount of risk on things that can either lose their value or go up many multiples of value um, can be fully rational and fully prudent Mm. um, for for investors, whether they're retail um, or accredited. So I hope that we can find a path. I I would hate to see crypto become the type of investment that only the wealthy can engage with. I think that would be a huge negative for the technology and for the platform and for just the basic concept of fairness. Right. Um, I would hate to see this technology um, thwarted in its development. Um, I, I, once again, I'm an optimist. I believe that these things tend to only be thwarted for small periods of time. Right. But those periods of time could be years or even decades. I mean, look look at what's happening in, in aerospace now. Um, we're seeing an incredible boom um, in new technology and investment. Look at what's happening with energy, et cetera. You know, the wrong regulations can really really thwart innovation, can really slow it down. Um, and I happen to think that financial services are important enough that, that a good dose of innovation is important um, to getting retail investors and accredited investors the products and services that will
1: benefit them best. Yeah, so, so many important points there. I want to double click on an important point that you made, uh, the idea of the Uh, importance of understanding asset allocation, understanding what the big buckets uh, that your money falls into are, and how that you can uh, understand and invest uh, wisely. Uh, I think that's why it's so important for people to take the time to do their own research uh, and to talk with a financial professional just to understand those buckets. Uh, An important point there. Uh, So when you mention this idea that you're very bullish on these assets long term, what's your reaction uh, when you hear Ah, uh, Chair Gensler say, uh, you're interested in digital assets. We've already got them. It's called the u s dollar
0: yeah, I, I um it's cute. I, I think the SEC has also formally said in in legal documents that you can't take Gensler's state public statements as a as a definition of policy or regulation. so um i mean he he is in partially a political position, so he's going to say things that sound political. um no, I, I don't think that's it. I think there's a point to be made that, you know, obviously we can digitize the dollar. I think it's also fair to say um, that we have really lagged doing so. The, the payment system, systems and financial infrastructure that we have around moving money in the U.S., um, no one with a straight face or objectively can say that we've kept on the cutting edge of technology um, or that we've made that easy to do. I right. mean, um, my current organization, Daffy, we we live to help people give, right? Like we. we we focus on helping people be more generous more often. That, that's our mission.
1: And so we talk, try to make it Talk about easy. how that works, Adam. Please t- tell us a little bit about Daffy, what the mission is there and how you do it.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm happy to. It's a really simple platform and idea. Um, most Americans give to charity on a regular basis. And it, it turns out that um, there is a tax-advantaged account type in the United States and many other countries for charity called the Donor advised Fund. Um, most people don't know what that is um, because if you don't have a high end financial advisor or accountant to tell you, um, then you probably haven't heard of it. Um, but it's out there. Um, now, unfortunately, the, the business model of the industry is fairly conflicted. They, they charge a percentage of assets. But we basically said, what if we could take all of this great technology, all of these great features, all these great capabilities that FinTech has come up with in the last 10 or 12 years? And what if instead of helping people just to spend or save or invest, what if we actually apply those technologies to helping people give? And so Daffy was born, so I'm wearing the shirt, Daffy. Um, Daffy, is, um, Daffy just stands for the Donor Advice Fund for You. Um, we were the first fully functional donor advice fund in the App Store. You can go download it. Um, and we make it super easy for people just to set a goal for their giving, right? Maybe you give a few hundred dollars to charity every year. Maybe you're more generous, you give more. Um, but if you want to set aside $10 a week, $25 a month, um, for charity, you can do so in this tax free, this tax advantaged account. And that money is invested, uh, that anytime you want to give that money to a charity, you just can open up an app on your phone and get it done. And of course we support not just, you know, your bank account, credit cards, debit cards, Apple pay, but you can also contribute stock ETFs, mutual funds, um, and crypto, um, we accept donations of every crypto that Coinbase currently supports which apparently may change or may not. Um, We'll see. Um, But we actually think this is a fantastic way for people who are invested in crypto um, to make a smart tax move and also simplify things. You know, a lot of people who've invested in crypto over the years actually are sitting on a lot of gains. Um, And one of the things you could do with those gains is is actually give some of that that success, um, some of that wealth share, some of that benefit with charity, um, with organizations that are fighting for causes that you believe in. And so we just try to make that as easy as possible to do. Um, But like I said, because we've done this, we've become somewhat experts in in moving different types of money around. We know what it means to transfer securities. Um, We know what it means to transfer crypto. We know what it means to use Apple Pay or credit cards and debit cards. And so, you know, to our topic at hand, um, you know, moving the U.S. dollar around and moving cash around and the partnerships you need to do it just isn't as simple as it could be. Um, It is amazing when you contribute crypto on DAFI within minutes. You get validation that you, your, your transaction has happened, that the crypto has been received, um, that the right amount is there. Um, even your, your your donation receipt for tax purposes, all done very, very rapidly. Um, even moving money from your checking account via ACH takes a while. Um, yeah. Transferring stock. There's a lot of parts of that process where you're just waiting for your institution to notify you a day later whether it happened or not. And so, um, no, I, I think we have some work to do. I think I think there's... With digital assets, I think there's a lot of room for improvement um, going forward.
1: Adam Nash, great conversation. It's been a pleasure having you with us. I hope you'll come back and join us again soon. yeah, and, and um
0: I will. and and definitely, um Ash, uh, if you want to check out Daffy, please do so. And if you are so if you've been fortunate in the crypto markets and, and want to contribute some of that some of those gains to charity, um, let us help you do it.
1: Thanks for joining us. That's it for today. Check out the Real Vision website. We're currently running a festival of learning campaign focused on AI. You can get seven days of Real Vision premium access and insights for free right now. Head to realvision.com forward slash festival of learning. That's realvision.com forward slash festival of learning. We'll be back on this show tomorrow with Diego Gutierrez Zalidavar to talk about the rise of Bitcoin in Latin America. See you at 9 a.m. Pacific time, noon Eastern and 5 p.m. in London. Thanks for watching, everybody. Hey there. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Just a reminder, today's Crypto Daily Briefing is in partnership with the Crypto Phenom Letter. This one-of-a-kind premium investment newsletter service highlights the next winners coming in cryptocurrency tokens and equities. Get special access today at phenomcrypto.com. That's phenomcrypto.com.